0: Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church's podcast, where we are taught by the Word and led by the Spirit. I hope today's message encourages you and challenges you to draw nearer to Jesus. Good morning. I am Tim Moore. I'm one of the elders here at Cobblestone, and uh, I have to confess, um, this morning as I, as I walked up on stage, I'm I'm a little shaky. Um, and my daughter asked me, we were just sitting there praying, she said, are you nervous? I said, I am. And uh, she asked why. I said, well, you're going to have to wait until everybody else finds out too. Um, but I'm not nervous in a bad way. I'm, I'm nervous in, a, in an awe way this morning. And I don't even want to get to my message yet until I share how good God is. And I assure you this morning, he has... He has a word for us this morning. And I know that. I can speak confidently to that because to kind of give you an insight on how, how my life looks as as I'm preparing for a message. Is I, I start weeks out, and the first thing I do is I just pray. Lord, what is it that you want? What do you want to say? What message do you want to speak through me? And I take time throughout weeks of preparation, set aside. As I get get in front of my computer and my, and my Bible, and I study, and and, and more than anything, I just pray, Lord, what is it that you want? And on this message I, I, I had today, it was clear. I felt clarity on what the Lord wanted me to share today. And where I, I get a little nervous this morning is for those of you that don't know, we don't we here at Cobblestone we're not we're not into the production of all of this. We're into Him. And Sunday morning is meant to be about Him, and so we don't kind of orchestrate things together. But this morning, when we have a worship leader who's leading us in worship, singing about "Worthy of It All," we have Andrew that literally is praying words out of my message this morning. He's literally praying. I looked over Gentry. I'm like, "That's my message." The Lord's got something for us today, church, and so I'm nervous. I'm nervous in a way that I'm like, I don't want to get in the way of it. And I just want the Lord to have his way this morning. So I want to pray that I settle and pray that we have our hearts tuned in to what he has for us. So Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for being a father who speaks. Thank you for having children who listen. And Lord, may this this time, this word, Whatever, however long it is that, that, Lord, it is meant to glorify You. May I not get in the way of it. May I, I share what has been on my heart. Settle me. Settle my mind. Settle my words. And Lord, may each and every one of us be soil that just gets that seed this morning. And that we do amazing things in Your name, giving You all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so with that being said, we, uh, we started in Revelation in the reading plan over the last couple of weeks. And uh, I, we're fully aware that we've been going through this for a couple couple years now. Not everybody's following the reading plan. So with that being said, yes, we are in Revelation. And Revelation, for some of us, is just, Honestly, sometimes it's a book of the Bible that we don't even want to go near, right? It's confusing. There's challenges. We really don't want to deal with this book. We don't want to deal with the idea of judgment. We don't want to deal with the reality of consequences for our choices and sometimes the finality of our lives on earth. I was talking with Ginger last night, actually. It was our anniversary, so we went out last night for celebrating 23 years. So, yes. (laughs) 23 years, so praise the Lord for that, and it was, as we went out, we were just talking about Revelation and why it can be confusing and scary and everything, and she's like, you know, growing up in a Christian house, all you gotta do is watch like a Left Behind movie or something about the rapture, right, and man, you just, anytime you come home and your family's not there, whether they're at the store or whatever, like you doubt, you, you get that fear going, right, it's like, what is it, right, we don't understand it, so we live in fear, Some of our childhood fears. And this past week, we looked at some very interesting and hard-to-explain things. We looked at seven seals. We looked at seven trumpets. We've read all the way through Revelation through chapter 12 in our reading plan. And as I prepared the message, I was reading commentaries and papers and articles. And I can tell you that there is a wide array of interpretations regarding these visions of John and the imagery and the timings over everything. And we could spend months digging into that. And there's nothing wrong with trying to understand deeper these things. But today, actually, the Lord placed on my heart to look at some of these events in Revelation in the context of the three questions that Andrew shared last week. Anybody remember the three questions Andrew asked? Who's got their notes with them from last week, right? So I'll give it to you. The first question he asked is, how do you see Jesus? The second question, do you dare to stand against him? And the third question, what are you living for? I felt the Holy Spirit guiding my thoughts as I prepared to share this message into three words. And these three words, as I looked at it, actually directly related to those questions. You could say they're answers to the questions, or no doubt, they're definitely directly related to it. And God placed these on my heart as we looked at Revelation. This is how we're going to look at Revelation today. And these three words I have up here, so you can read through them with me, worthiness, worship, and desire. You can see how that's exactly what we were praying this morning and singing about, worthiness, worship. And ultimately, desire. And I believe that these three things are at one of the cores of what Revelation is as a whole. And I want to focus this morning on these three words in the beginning of Revelation. So first question, how do we see Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Andrew shared last week some of the descriptions, and David just shared it this morning, on what that appearance of Jesus looks like. It's in Revelation 1, 12 through 16. I'm not going to read through it, but if you want to read through that appearance of Jesus, that's where it's found. But I, this morning, want us to take a deeper look into that question and not just rush through it. I want you really to meditate on that and think through it very personally this morning. How do you see Jesus? Not just physically. Who is he to you? I'm not asking how much information you can recite about him. I'm asking very personally and intimately within the deepest part of your heart, how do you see Jesus? Is he everything? Or is he just one of many things? I'm pausing on that question today because I believe that answer shapes our lives and our relationship with him. That one key question It's how it's good. It will shape the way you trust him. It will shape the way you love him. It will shape the way you follow him and the way you pursue him. And it's my heart that for each and every one of us this morning, that we can collectively offer a beautiful response to that. And I agree with Andrew. This morning isn't a passive thing. I don't feel like the Lord's calling us into a passive approach this morning, so much so that I, I have in my message this morning, that I want us collectively to answer that question loudly and boldly with the answer, worthy. How do you see Jesus this morning? Worthy. We have to be able to boldly proclaim that. We see this in chapter 5, and it was, that's where I looked over at as he's reading through chapter 5, I actually have, and it's going to be up on the screen. Get your Bibles out to, to chapter 5. I felt the Lord actually place on my heart this morning that I wanted you to read that whole chapter. Start to finish right now. So get your apps out. It'll be on the screen. Beginning in verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of Him who was seated on the throne a scroll, written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, and from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. I felt like just reading that this morning, just set your heart in a posture of, is he worthy? What's his worthiness to you? We see these seven seals on the scroll, so it's a perfectly sealed document. The only one who has access to the scroll is one who is worthy. That's the only requirement. The only criteria to opening the scroll up is they have to be worthy. Yet with only one requirement, there was no one. It eliminated everyone and everything. Everything. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth who could even look inside. No one could open the scroll. And that's where John feels this hopeless situation. And it says he weeps loudly. Not a picture that I would imagine when I get in heaven. What I think of, of weeping loudly. But finally, one of the elders takes compassion and points out there is one and only one. Weep no more. There's one who is able to open the scroll, and it's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And John looks and he sees the lamb. A beautiful picture. A lamb. A lamb standing as though it had been slain. He alone is worthy. Because he alone does all that's necessary to fulfill the purposes of God and that is what is what is written on the scroll. No one else can bring these things that God has created. No one else can bring these things to pass that God has decreed. But one, only one can meet the requirement. But praise Jesus, one is all that's necessary. One is enough when the one meets the requirements of worthiness. Jesus shed his blood to purchase men from every tribe and language and people and nation. He earned the right to open the scroll. Jesus is a -a one-of-a-kind Savior. And therefore, he's worthy of worship. And this is something that just struck me as beauty. That the very first reward for the recognition of his worthiness, the very first thing that happens is worship. The very first reward for the establishment of his worthiness is worship. All the living beings fell down before the lamb and worshipped the one and only one who made it possible for them to be a part of the kingdom of God. They worship the lamb by singing a new song. When we experience the fullness, the, the fullness of all that he saved us for, we will never cease to sing a new song. In verse 2, the mighty angel asks the question, who's worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? In verse 4, John weeps. In verse 9, there's a new song sung. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals. The theme of eternal and universal worship will be that Jesus is worthy of everything. He's worthy of worship. We need to learn how to do that now. If it's what we're going to be doing forever, we need to learn how to do that now. We need to understand all that we can about the worthiness of our Lord. Psalm 150. Psalm 150 reads, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything. Raise your hand if you're part of everything with breath. That's everything. That's all of us. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. The reality is, we worship what we see as worthy. And we need to discover God's holiness, see Him for who He truly is. And once we do, we will have that same reaction, which is worship. True worship. True worship that happens in our lives 24 7. Because it's not just the words. Worship becomes a lifestyle. It has to be from the heart and praise it expressed not only in song, but in deed and in action. Who and what we worship matters. If it didn't matter, we wouldn't see the interaction between Satan and Jesus in the temptation. If you want to turn to Matthew 4 8 and 9, even worship matters to Satan. Because he tried to tempt Jesus into worship. It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. It matters to Satan. And praise the Lord, it matters to Jesus. Because Jesus, knowing the significance of importance of worship, responds in verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Worship and submission are the most appropriate responses to the gospel. Worship for who he is, for what he has done, for all that he is doing, and for all that he will do. We worship him. We praise Him. I love the song we say, we adore Him. And we submit to Him. The truth is, we all worship. We all have worship as part of our lives. But the reality is that unfortunately, at times we can find ourselves worshiping something else other than Him. We worship things that are not truly worthy of our worship. Which brings me to the second question that Andrew raised last week. Do you dare stand against him? We stand against him when we don't place him in his proper place. When we don't put him at his proper place in our hearts and in our lives, we stand against him. We stand against him when we worship other things. One of the definitions of worship is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, and devotion. And it's that last word that I really want to focus on devotion. Who and what we worship can be seen by what we devote ourselves to, worship can be seen by what we put first. And if you find yourself putting other things first in your life other than him, that's worship. And it's not always material things that we worship, but those are idols. It's not just material things. And I want to talk about it because I felt like the Lord placed some some things on my heart that I just want to share with you this morning out of obedience. One of the things that we can worship is comfort. We can worship comfort over obedience. If God calls you to do something and it's challenging and I could share with you and I have with some of you, when God called me to go into the the mission field of Nicaragua, I was in a comfortable place. I had a good job. I had a good house. My kids were in a good school. All of it. I could have given a million reasons why my comfort could have over prioritized and placed myself over obedience. It was a willing act to push that down and go after obedience. If God is placing your heart to pray with someone, to share the gospel with someone, to forgive someone, to love someone who's offended you and you choose not to, because that would be way too uncomfortable for you your own comfort becomes the focus of your devotion and worship. That's a struggle for me day in and day out. If you want to know where like, my comfort is, my comfort right now on a Sunday morning would be to sit in that same back row with my head down, not talking to anybody because I'm naturally an introvert. That's what I want to do. I, I would be the guy that if Andrew's like, pray with somebody you don't know, I'd be like, no way. No way. No way, because that's not what I'm comfortable in doing. However, I know that's not what God has called me to do. He's called me to be an elder of this church. He's called me to be up here right now, this morning, this moment, sharing what he's placed on my heart with you. And I need to daily choose to surrender my desires For his. And when I do, that's worship. If you're pursuing the desires of the flesh in sexual immorality, whether that's through a sexual relationship outside of the bounds of what God's allowed or through internet with pornography, what are you worshiping? You're worshiping your own desires over his. If during the hard times, after a rough day, what are you pursuing for peace and comfort? Is it a bottle? Is it a drink? Is it something else just to numb the pain? What if you're placing all of your efforts, all of your thoughts, all of your time into trying to achieve that next promotion, that next achievement? I'm not here today to say that the pursuit of working towards goals is a bad thing. The question I'm saying is, What are you putting first? Because what is of ultimate value? What is of ultimate value to you and me and us? That's what we worship. This world that we live in says it's all about you. Satisfy yourself. You come first. This morning, I want you to remember, He comes first. He alone is worthy. Psalm 100 should become your daily prayer. Memorize it. Repeat it again. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. And we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. We are called into living worship. Worship is a discipline. We must be determined that no matter what, We will not rob God of his praise and we will not let the devil steal the joy that God desires for our life. I can tell you last week, my heart was blessed by some incredible testimonies. Testify to his goodness. Do not let this world rob God of his praise that he's due. In worship, we respond to God and we focus on him. Worship is offered by means of action and language. A biblical concept of worship involves praising God and giving Him glory with our lips and our lives, with our words and our deeds, with our physical bodies and our spiritual hearts. Jesus shares with the woman as well in John 4.23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, We'll worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. So what does it mean to worship God in spirit and in truth? Our spirit is our innermost being. It's our hearts. So prostrating ourselves before God should be the attitude of our hearts. I'm not going to replicate what Andrew did last week because I don't think I would get up as quick as he did. But it's prostrating yourself down. It's worship. That's the attitude of our hearts. It should be gratefully acknowledging his total superiority, total authority, and unending love. And truth? Truth is honesty. Worship is not meant to be formed by what feels good, but by the light of what is true. And let me tell you, it's great that I love worship on Sunday mornings, but the physical location of worship is not relevant. True worship must engage the heart and the affections and the totality of our being. So worship ordained by God is praise and honor and reverence given back to our Creator and is not about us. It's all about Him. There are many scenes of worship throughout Revelation, and for time we're not going to go through all of them. But a couple of them, Revelation four eight. It reads, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within and day and night. They never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. That's exactly the same scene or very similar to the same scene that you see in Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, and with two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Because that's dated, we know that the, the, when King Uzziah died was right at approximately 740 B.C. That's when Isaiah has this vision. And then you go all the way ahead to where John sees it. There's about 800 years there. And the same thing's going on in heaven. You see worship in Revelation 7, 9 through 12, Revelation 14, 6, and 7. In Revelation 19, 1 through 10. I want to pause on that one. In verse 9 and 10, it reads And the angel said to me, Write this Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Even there, there's only one that's worthy of our worship. Worship God. If we cannot worship here, God's not going to force us to worship later. It's not fitting God into your schedule, but fitting your schedule around God. When you do that, you realize worship is 24-7 wherever you are. No matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going through, it's all about Him. Worship then becomes more than a song. It becomes a relationship. A pursued relationship. And it becomes a lifestyle. A pursued relationship with God is reflected in our day in and day out lives. And that brings me to the third and final question from last week. What are you living for? Over the last several months, I've been listening to different podcasts on rest. And during one of these podcasts, the Lord just spoke to me, and it had to deal with this exact question. What are you living for? And the third word I said, we're talking about worthiness, worship, and desire. The answer to that question is desire. Because desire is what motivates us desire drives our actions you hear a lot about this in sports right football basketball whatever like desire you need to want it more the reality is desire is infinite it's never satisfied it's always just one fill in the blank away one promotion, one new car, one new house, one word of praise, one more experience, one more before we're satisfied. And we live with this turmoil that we're, we're almost there. And it results in restlessness. It results in an unsatisfied desire. And where we can see it manifest in our own lives, frustration, frustration, Anger, anxiety, disappointment. It leads to a life of hurry and busyness and more and more restlessness. We live in a world, our culture, all you have to do is just turn TV on for a little bit of time or listen to the radio. Our culture tells us that we should desire accumulation and accomplishments. That's what you should desire. Those two things. Go after the accumulation, all the goods, all the houses, all the toys, all the everything, and then go after the accomplishments, whatever it takes. Leave people in the wake. Business feeds on this, advertising feeds on this, marketing is driven by this. But the reality is you will not be able to satisfy your desire without addressing its place or priority. How you spend your money and your time reflects your desire. This is, this is a key thing that the Lord put on my heart. and I've shared it with a couple of the elders. But I think this is key to the message this morning. We worship what we desire. There's nothing wrong with human desire. There's nothing wrong, again, after going after goals. It just needs to be placed in the right order. Unfortunately, desire can be displaced, and nothing, nothing in this life apart from God can ever satisfy our desire. The Word says, come unto me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We need to find ourselves most satisfied in Christ and who He is, and place all other desires below Him. We need to control desire, not let desire control us. And we control desire by surrendering. it. We find our rest in him. We find our peace in him. And we find our strength in him. I'm going to invite the the worship team to come back up as we kind of wrap up. But as we did, as we wrap up this morning... I want us really, truly to take this time to pause. This is a a season of just busyness, right? We talk about that. Busyness can be a distraction. Busyness actually becomes a desire of ours. We don't know how to sit and pause. But I want that right now. Don't be distracted by anybody around you or thinking about what's going on after this or whatever. I want us to pause and take time before we head out of here to think of those three words. And what is the Lord speaking to you about? I told you before, it's amazing how these words were placed on my heart as I prepared this message. And again, we prayed them. We worshiped them this morning. But worthiness, worship, and desire. Take time with Him right now and talk with Him. Confess if you have desired and worshiped things other than Him first. If he's not been given your all, we're saying that worthy of it all. All is all. He's worthy of it all. All your cares, all your concerns. But he's also worthy of all your praise and all your worship. Give thanks to him. That's a form of worship. Give thanks to him. What's the last time you told him thank you? we're going to take time and we're going to actually go through worship but I want you to pause and we'll have prayer counselors up here and they'd love to pray with you if the Lord's put something on your heart you're like yeah I've worshipped that I've worshipped that image I've worshipped my comfort I've worshipped this above him I've placed it all out of order talk to him first We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to take this time. And again, parents, you know when you have to go get your kids, you still got a few minutes. So take time. Be intentional. Talk to him about his worthiness to you. Who is Jesus to you? Worthiness. Worship. Desire. Father, we come to you this morning. Thankful for your word. may we recognize just how worthy you are because you meet the one criteria to open the seals. Because you can do that, you are worthy of our worship. Father, thank you. May we desire you with our first. Maybe that means we got to fall back in love with you this morning because we've fallen in love with other things. Oh, we're sorry for that. Forgive us. May we sit before you, adoring you, worshiping you, thanking you, not just for what you've done, but for who you are. In Jesus' name, I hope today's message has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you would like more information, you can find us at www.cobblestonechurch.com. Have a great week and God bless.